Sometimes he seems so distant, so different. Is he even real? What if that transcendent, holy, glorious creator of the universe wanted to meet us? What if we could know him, not just know about him, but actually know him? Encountering God. A new series at Stapleton Church. January 2019. All right, welcome everyone. I'm so glad that, that you guys are here. I'm so glad to see you. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here, and exciting things are happening here at Stapleton Church, aren't they? Exciting things are happening. Um, community group signups, and, and just a little tweak from that video, they're 12-week sessions, so you can sign up, and, and they'll run from February till May, I guess that is, wherever 12 weeks are. So please go back and do it. These community groups are so important. But we also have some exciting things. We had women's Bible studies that are kicking off this week, too. And I got an email from Linda Schrago, who's uh, you know, kind of organizing our leader, women's leadership team. She said, yeah, Matt, we had 50 women sign up for our women's Bible study, which is three times more than we've ever had before. That's pretty cool, right? So that's awesome. And I'm anticipating that we're going to have more people sign up from community groups than we ever have as well. So make sure you guys do that. That's really how we connect and do church because as our church grows, as it gets bigger, you can't know everyone in our church, but you can know and you should know a group of people. So that's what those community groups are for. So get in one of those. Um, I'm excited about that, excited about other things that are going on at our church. I went to Turbulence this last Wednesday night. I kind of snuck in the back because Sawyer Trapp, our our youth leader, our student ministry director, is doing a cool series and answering the tough questions our youth have. Man, they have some tough questions, but they're right on. They're asking really good questions about faith, about where do we get the Bible, all that good stuff, and um, that's awesome. So if you're 7th to 12th grader or you know one, make sure they're here on Wednesday nights. So I hope you guys are excited about that. Um, and today is 21 days of prayer. We're continuing that. We're doing that here in January. Next week, we're going to finish up. So next Sunday would be the 22nd day of prayer, and that's the reason why we're going to have a celebration. Some of you have been fasting during these 21 days of prayer. Well, next Sunday is going to be our feast. That sounds good, right? So the prayer team is putting on an awesome like potluck lunch. So you can come, get a free meal. It's going to be awesome. It's a great chance to socialize, get to know other people, and just to celebrate the things that God has already done in these 21 days and what he's continuing and going to do in the future here at our church. So make sure you do that. And also, there's that bulletin or board basically in the back where you can put a sticky note of any prayer that you have, and the prayer team will pray for those things that are on your heart. And the prayer team is always available in the back at the end of the service to pray with you as well. So I'm going to say a prayer right now, and then we're going to dive into our message. Um, Lord God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. We, we thank you that already you're working in our hearts, that with the women's Bible studies kicking off, as starting point kicks off in our second service today, Lord God, I pray that you would use these things to reach people, to help them grow in their faith and become closer to you. Lord God, we want to encounter you, and we pray that through these 21 days, people would have a genuine, true encounter with you, because you are a true and living God who loves us and wants to know us. And I pray, Lord God, that you would do amazing things, move in our hearts for those who are hurting this morning, that you give them healing. For those who are suffering, Lord God, that you'd give them perseverance, that they could make it through. And we pray most of all, Lord God, that you'd speak to us here this morning, that we would learn from you, grow, and encounter you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, go ahead and grab your Bibles, open up to Genesis 22. We're going to be um, in Genesis 22 and cover that chapter this morning. Our smartphone, you can follow along. So our daughter uh, McKinley is two years old, and you know she has these two little toys that she loves. And she doesn't quite do it as much anymore, but when, when she got these two little toys, they're just little, little people. 
You know, little people, do you remember those little toys? She has this one, this little guy that has a camera, and she has another one, and she calls the guy with the camera Brandon because that's what his name is, right? Or something, Brandon. And the other one she calls Donald because it's Donald Duck. And, and those two guys, she has other little people, but for some reason she loves Brandon and Donald and wants Brandon and Donald and is always asking for Brandon and Donald, and she holds them one in each hand, right? And she doesn't do it quite as much anymore, but for a long time she would just hold on to those and grip them really tight, right? Which was great, except when you needed to change your clothes or put a jacket on her because you can't get the sleeve over the wrist when your hand is full, right? She didn't quite get this concept, and I'd try to, like, would pry it out of her fingers, and it would be work at first, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you, those of you who had kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard to get, because she's just holding on so tight. She's holding on so tight, her grip just won't let go. She doesn't realize that if she lets go, it's going to be okay. And why I bring that up today is because that's what we're talking about. That sometimes we are holding on to things too tightly. And what I think God is going to challenge us today, all of us, is to loosen our grip. To loosen our grip because we're holding on too tight. Maybe you've dropped something like your, your wallet down the, the chute in your car. Have you done this? And you try to reach and grab it and you got it, but you can't get it out because now you got it in your fist made. How the heck are you supposed to get it out, right? You've got to let go. You've got to let go. And what God is challenging us to do is to loosen our group, to let go, because he has something good and something better for us. And we're going to see in the story, so our series, Encountering God, this is now our third week. If you missed any of the first two messages, you can go on stapletonchurch.com. Under the media tab, we have both audio and video available. You can subscribe. You can go back and watch those first two. But we are going to look at Abraham again today. So in the first week in our series, we, we saw Moses as he encountered God in the burning, non-burning bush. And we learned an important lesson. We were challenged to know the God who knows you. That's kind of the starting point of this whole series because this God who knows all things, knows everything about you, your future, your past, and who loves you and calls you by name, he says, I want you to know me as well. I want to have a relationship with you. So that was kind of the basis for this series as we can move forward. And then last week we were introduced to Abraham. We went back in time and we learned that God's promises are signed in blood. That God had these great, grand, beautiful promises for Abraham and all of his descendants and spiritual descendants. And he said, hey, I'm going to sign it in blood. I'm going to do this covenant. Remember, it was a weird ritual. If you missed last week, you better go back and listen to it because it was this bizarre ritual covenant that God was doing to say, hey, I'm signing on the bottom line in my own blood to prove that I care about you and will do these things for you. So we learned that last week as we were introduced to promise, the promises God had. And, and God gave a promise to Abraham that his, he would have a son and his son would carry on the family lineage because he was getting older and older. So last week, he had already had that promise and it had been probably five, ten years that had gone on without a child. But now this week, he has the child. So you can read through those chapters if you don't know how all that took place. But Abraham was probably 100 years old. That's pretty old. 100 years old, waiting for years and years and decades for God to give him a child. And finally, God gave him this son who he named Isaac. And Isaac was there, and and Abraham loved him and cherished him. And that's where we pick up our story in verse 1 of Genesis 22. In verse 1, it says, Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Whoa! It's pretty shocking, right? If you've heard this story before and you're not shocked, get shocked again. This is crazy. 
We've seen how God shows up in bizarre ways, but now God is telling Abraham, this son that you were promised, that I told you you would have, and now I have brought into your life, I want you to go kill him. I want you to offer him to me, to give him up, to loosen your grip on this child that you love. And you see how he even describes it, your son, your only son, whom you love. Oh my gosh, God is, knows how precious this child is, as any child is to a parent, but this one especially waited so long for the son whom he loved. But God is saying, I want you to go to that mountain and sacrifice him to me, to surrender him to me. This should blow your mind. What? What is God doing here? See, for Abraham, Isaac was Abraham's most precious thing that he had in his life. The most precious relationship. What he'd been looking for and longing for for years. I'm sure, he still cherished and loved his wife, but man, this was his son. He loved this son. This was so important to him. And I want you to think about today. I want you to think about the most precious thing you have in your life. I think this is the challenge that we get even from the beginning of this story. What is the most precious thing to you? What is the thing you hold dear? The thing that maybe it's a cherished possession. Maybe it's that dream house you've been waiting for for so long. Or the retirement, finally I have it. Or you've been looking forward to it. This relationship that you've been longing for. Maybe even a child like this story. What is that thing that you're like, oh, I love that thing, I cherish that thing so much. What if God asked you, like he asked Abraham, to sacrifice that to him? It's challenging, isn't it? I want you to just think about it today as we continue on in this story. Because the next day, the very next morning, Abraham gets up right at dawn and starts getting ready for the journey. Whoa. We're not given and told very much about what's going on, but I can just imagine what's going on in Abraham's mind. Because it says that he went up when it was just light and he went out and chopped some firewood. And I can just picture him going out He had servants. They could have done it. But he takes that axe and with each swing chopping the firewood thinking, this is the wood I'm going to put my son on top of. This is the wood that I'm going to have to burn my own son on. Then he took that wood and he he got all the preparations available and he personally saw to it that the donkey had all the provisions tied onto it because they were going on a journey. He woke up to his, his servants and his son and he said, it's time to go. And they started on the journey. And they were there walking through the desert for a few hours and then a few hours more and then the sun set. Then they woke up and started again the next day. And for three days they journeyed across the desert walking to the region to Moriah where God had told Abraham to go. Do you imagine that? Three days. Every hour thinking again, what is going on? This is my son. I love this child. I love Isaac. I care about him so much. I want you to think again about that thing that, that you hold and cherish dearly. I remember my father, he was preaching on this subject uh, on a Sunday morning once, and he talked about when he first came to Christ. When he was a young man, he had been in a rock band in high school, you know, the kind of band that played at proms back before we had terrible music and DJs. At our front, right? So he played with his rock band. He loved music, played bass and, and, and guitar. And he said, you know, I realized as a young Christian that that was the thing I cherished the most, my music, playing music. And he said, I had to go through the process. What if I let go of that? What if God were to say, no more music? Would I give that up for God? Would I say, I'll I'll let that go? I'll loosen my grip on this thing that I cherish so much. 
And I remember being challenged as I heard that as a teenager. That's what Abraham was thinking about, step after step, mile after mile, as they traveled to Mount Moriah. And there they got to the mountain. And Abraham told the two servants, you wait here. You stay here. And then he took all the wood off the donkey and he put it on his son Isaac's back to carry. And then he took a torch with the flame and the knife and they headed up together. This time just the two of them walking side by side up the mountain. There's this interesting dialogue that is picked up here. This is the only words back and forth that we hear from father and son. And I think it's so important that I want you to hear it. Because in verse 7 it says that Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's starting to pick it up. He's old enough to understand that something is missing. Where is the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Can you imagine this dialogue? Abraham, at that point, he knew that God had asked them to sacrifice his son. Can you imagine saying that to your child? Knowing what was to take place? And they continued on. They reached the top of the mountain and it says that Abraham built an altar so he would have found some rocks there on the top of the mountain and he would have rolled them or moved them into place and he put them up so that they formed a sort of altar. Then he went and took the wood that had been on his son Isaac's back and he built it up so that it would form a sort of platform to allow oxygen to get in so that the flames could light up the offering but also something could be placed on top of it. Then it says that Abraham bound his son Isaac. I tried to just imagine this now that I have a child. And it's almost too far to go, isn't it? To tie up your own child so that they can't move or wiggle free and then put that child on top of the wood, on top of the altar. But that's what Abraham was doing. This was the point, right? This was the moment where it all came true. This was where it's like, if God is saying to leave it all behind, what if I never see my family again and I have to move to that other side of the globe? What if I have to leave all behind? What if I lose my family? What if I lose my job? What if, could I let go of all of that? And Abraham is there and it says that he picks up the knife. There's a lot of details in this story. Way more details than most Hebrew literature would have included. And I think the reason is, is because this is such a challenging thing for Abraham to do. Each step of the way, he chopped the wood himself. He got the arrangements made. He walked. He had the discussion. He built the altar. He put the wood in place, and he went to grab the knife. Could you imagine that moment? But as he brings his hand back to kill his own child, he hears a voice. Abraham, Abraham. He hears a voice from heaven, it says. Abraham, Abraham, stop. And he hears God tell him, don't touch your son. Don't harm him. And Abraham put down the knife. And this is what God said to Abraham in that moment. He says, in verse 12, 
Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You were willing to give up everything, the thing you most cherish, closer to your heart than anything else. Because you have done that, I know that you fear me, that you love me, that you believe me and trust me. Proof is in the pudding. It's been shown. And at that moment, Abraham looked up and there was a lamb, a ram, caught in the thicket. I don't know how he and Isaac had missed it, but there it was. It was caught. It was basically tied up and Abraham could untie his own son and he went and took this lamb and he put it on the altar and he and Isaac slaughtered that animal, offered it to God and worshipped him. And this is what Abraham declared there on the mountain. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. See, God demanded everything. That he had to turn over everything, that he had to loosen his grip, even on the things that he was holding the tightest. But what Abraham learned that day, and I hope we learn this morning, is that when you surrender all you have, God provides all you need. When you surrender all you have, God provides all you need. That's why Abraham could call that mountain the mountain of provision. This is where the Lord provides, because he surrendered everything. He had his hands wide open. Take it, God, if that's your will. And God filled those hands. He provided all that Abraham would need. This is so important for us to see. Jesus would talk about this again and again and again because really this equation is so challenging. It's so difficult. When we imagine putting ourselves in those place, I don't know if I could do it. I don't know if I could let go of that thing, that career, that relationship. I don't know if I could do it. But when we're willing to loosen our grip, to open up our hands, God fills them up. He provides what we need. This is what we call surrender. And Jesus would talk about it. He'd say, hey, if you sell everything you have to go buy that precious, beautiful pearl, it's worth it. If you're willing to lose your life for my sake, you will gain it. If you forfeit the world, you will gain your soul, Jesus said. All the suffering, hardship, trials that you may go through are worth it for the eternal joy. And that's why even Jesus would say, whatever you give up for my name's sake, you will gain back a hundredfold in this life and the one to come. Because when we surrender all we have, God provides all we need. This is a challenging word. Some of us, maybe if this is the first time you've heard that, you're like, Matt, it seems like God is just cruel. How could he ask something like that from Abraham or from us that we'd be willing to lose those things, give them up to him? But did you notice back in verse 1 it said that God was testing Abraham? From the beginning, God had a plan here. He knew what he was doing. And God knew what was going to happen. He can see the future. And if you're like, well, why would he have to do that? It says that God knew then. God knew before. But Abraham didn't know. He believed. He had faith. He had already set out on his journey to believe those promises of God. But this is what it takes. It takes actions to put faith into practice. Did you know that? And if you're like, well, Abraham's pretty cruel that he would even consider killing his own child because later in the Bible, they were, the Israelites were very strictly commanded, do not sacrifice your children. It's against the law, against God's law. But here's the thing, that law wasn't given at this point. 
Abraham, in other cultures of his day, that was very common, child sacrifice. And he was just being obedient. But this is what it says in the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, about this incident. It says that Abraham believed that even if he offered Isaac and killed him, that God would raise Isaac from the dead. He had that much faith that even if I lose everything right now, God will somehow make it right. And that's the faith it takes for us to surrender, to let go. It it takes faith to, to loosen our grip. But that's what we're challenged to do this morning and in this story. And if you're wondering, if you're, you're a good uh, listener, and last week we talked about uh, that, that blood covenant that God made, that it was very one-sided, right? It was very unilateral, that God did everything. All you have to do is believe, and you're thinking, well, how does that fit in with this? I'm glad you asked that question. And that's exactly what James, Jesus' brother, talks about in James chapter 2. He says, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Remember that verse from last week? See, faith is proved by obedience. It's made complete by the actions we take. You can say you love someone, but unless you do something for them, that you cherish them, give them gifts, protect them, provide for them, is that really love? It's just word, and we say talk is cheap. So that's why faith is all that it takes to accept the gift of salvation. But God says, let's prove it. Let's put it into action. And that's what is going on here in this story, in this encounter that Abraham has with God. So I want you to think, what is God challenging you today to loosen your grip on? What is God asking you to hold with open hands? To surrender to him. Is there something you're holding on tightly to? Your future, your career? A relationship that you've been holding on to? No, 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 you can't take that, God. You can't have that. I I get my business because you've got to make a buck, right? Even if it means sinning and cheating and lying and stealing. But, But you can't have that part of my life, God. I get that. I want you to think about what are the things that you're holding on to too tightly? What is God challenging you to let go of? To surrender to him. In Romans 12.1, we are challenged with this same concept. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is worship. It's not just singing on Sunday mornings, but it's offering our lives to God. Whatever you want, God, you lead me. You provide for me. I'm going to trust that you are the God who provides. That if I surrender all, you will provide all. Because that's what God does. It's hard, though, to let go, isn't it? And this is what I want to say to you. If you're being challenged this morning, you're like, I don't know, Matt. I thought about that thing you said, and I don't know if I could let go. It's too hard. I want to hold on to this thing. If that's you, let me tell you some good news. God went first. God went first. Did you know uh, the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament that we've been reading in Genesis 15, it was originally written in Hebrew. Did you know that? Well, by the time of Jesus, it had been translated into Greek because Greek was the common language of the day. And that Greek version of the Bible was called the Septuagint. Just a little useless trivia for you. And that would have been the version of the Bible that Jesus' disciples, the leaders of the early church, would have read. 
they would have used the Septuagint, this Greek version. And what's really interesting is that in Genesis 15, in the Greek version, if we are to look at, um, let me make sure, verse 12. I have this up here. In verse 12, it says, Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Right? We saw that. Well, that word in Greek, withheld, is a specific Greek word that is the word phedomai. That's the root word of it. Okay? Why I bring that up is because it's pretty rare in the Bible. But Paul would use it again in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, he would use that exact same Greek word when he said, He who did not withhold his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not with him also give us everything else? Do you know who Paul's talking about? He's talking about our Father in heaven. And the Son is Jesus Christ. Because we know that our Father in heaven sent his only Son that he loved. His only begotten Son. And even when Jesus was baptized, there was this voice from heaven that said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And the Father sent that Son to the world to live for us, to love for us, to love us, to serve us and to minister to us. And yet he was still rejected, arrested, beaten, tortured, and sent to a mountain to die. And they didn't put on firewood on his back, but they took two pieces of wood, didn't they? And they put it on his back and made him carry it up the mountain. What's really interesting, too, is that this area, this region, is only mentioned one other time in the entire Bible. Did you know that? Mount Moriah, this region of Moriah that is spoken about. Only one other time does that, entire, that word ever appear in the entire Bible. And it's when Solomon was deciding where to build the temple. He decided to build it in the region of Moriah, where Jerusalem is. And it was in that same region where Jesus would be kicked out of the city, sent to punishment for a crime he did not commit, to execution that he did not deserve. And he carried that cross up the mountain to the hill of Golgotha. But you see, when Jesus was there, and the Roman centurion moved back his hand to hammer the nail into Jesus' hands and into his feet. There was no voice from heaven to stop him. When they put him up on the cross and Jesus breathed his last, no one stopped the soldier from piercing his side to make sure he was dead. You see, there was no ram in the thicket because Jesus was that lamb. When that ram appeared... On that day, so that he would die instead of Isaac, Jesus is the Lamb of God who dies in our stead. He dies in our place so that we don't have to face suffering or torture or death or hell itself. Jesus did it in our place. He was the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. See, when God asks us and challenges us to lay it all in line, to be a living sacrifice, to open up our hands and loosen up our grip, to surrender all to Him, He's saying, I already did it first. And when we believe in that and we accept that salvation, we say, as our hearts are changed, how could I not then give everything to God? In response, out of gracious love for what God has done for me. So as we have the band come up, you're right now, I want you to think about this. God went first. God went first. And when you surrender all you have, God provided all you need. He, he will. He'll provide everything you need and more. 
And I want you to think again, what are you holding on to too tightly? So on each of the seats, we put a little card. So if you can pull that out right now. Ezekiel, could you hold that up? Hold that up so people see that. This, this little card, and it's very simple. It just says, I surrender blank. Right? And Sawyer ha- and Grant have some pens right here. And I want you to write down the thing God is challenging you to surrender. Maybe right now you're still holding on a tough grip, but you're like, I know this is what I need to let go of. I know I need to have a looser grip on this thing and let God take control of it. So I want you to write that thing down. I want you to write down whatever it is. If you're here and you're like, Matt, I am brand new to faith and church. This is a crazy story. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. That's okay. But I'm going to challenge you to surrender something. I'm going to challenge you to surrender your Sunday mornings. To surrender your Sunday mornings to keep coming back and learning about God. Maybe you need to come in the second service starting point is meeting upstairs. Go hang out up there. Just give up your, your Sunday mornings maybe for the next six to eight weeks. Come to try to find out more. So write that. I surrender Sunday mornings. If you're here and you're like, Matt, I haven't moved. I've been coming for a little while and I've been curious, but I know that I need to be saved. And maybe you need to write, I surrender my life. Because I want to accept that gracious gift of forgiveness. I know that God has sent his son to die in my place. So maybe that's what you need to write in my life. Maybe you're here and you're like, Matt, I've already accepted salvation. I'm a believer, but Jesus is my savior and not my Lord. You've been there? You know what I'm talking about? I still want to be in control, and maybe you need to write down, I surrender all. I surrender all today. Others in here have already said that. I've already declared Jesus is my Lord, but now I've kind of grabbed a hold of something again. I've been holding it too tightly. My grip is so firm, and whatever that thing is that you're holding on to, maybe it's even just control. Maybe it's you're saying, I want to be in control of my future. Whatever that thing is, and you're saying, it's time for me to loosen my grip. Write that down on that card, okay? Do this prayerfully. Do this thoughtfully. Would you please stand with me for just a second? I know you guys have been gripping something so tightly, right? We've been holding on to something. You've been thinking of that thing throughout this message today. And I want you to kind of make those fists with me right now that you're holding onto too tightly. Make, make those fists. Come on. Physically, let's just put your hands out. What is the thing that you're holding onto? Make those fists. It's okay. Everybody else is doing it. You, you don't be weird. And now I just want you to let go. To open up your hands so that God can put something else in their place. I don't know if he's going to take that thing away from you or not. God does. But if you're just willing to offer up your lives, everything you have to him, he will provide all you need and more. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my prayer. Savior, I surrender all. Let's sing that one more time. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my precious Savior. 
Lord God, we surrender to you today, knowing that you are good and you will provide, that you will take care of our future, that whatever we loosen our grip on, you will fill up our hands with. Lord God, you are good. You are the provider. And we believe that this morning. We declare that this morning. We surrender all to you. We say this in Jesus' name.